In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. The rumors and nastiness about her... Well, we can do that. You know what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. Don't. With me. Okay. Alberta. If I want to jugular and talk about the rumors and... The rumors? You shall leave. This me, Meredith Marge. What's going on here, baby? Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Thursday. Are we at Thursday? We're at Thursday. Listen, I am recording from a Vegas hotel room at Caesars Palace right now. This can you feel the excitement? Can you feel it? I'm here for BravoCon, but I am still I'm a professional. I am a professional and I am here and I'm gonna do a recap of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City from this week. Yeah. This Hey, this is what separates the men podcasters from the boy podcasters. And I am the bad boy of podcasting. And I'm going to give you a full Real Housewives of Salt Lake re- <laughs> Salt Lake reunion. Are we at the... No, just a Salt Lake recap. It would be great if I get like a noise complaint and you hear like a knock like, Sir, please, we need you to stop talking about Meredith March. We have had numerous guest complaints. How's everybody doing out there, huh? What a week it's been, man. Man, this is just nonstop. Remember, we are now officially in Baddie Con 2023. That's right, the baddies. We are taking Las Vegas. We're giving you full updates on BravoCon. I just did my first BravoCon update on the drive over to Vegas today over on the Patreon. So if you want to get a bunch of updates uh, in real time, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. You know, couple bucks a month you get access to like 200 podcasts that have never hit the main feed plus i will be updating that patreon all weekend long to let you in on all the dirt all the dirt that is that i will be foreseeing this next four or five days um listen i i wish i was out there like getting a drink and partying it's probably better that i'm in here with you guys it's more safe to be in here with you. But thank you so much for listening. As always, we've had a great week of shows. I hope you enjoyed Susie Banacarum from In Retrospect, that podcast, the new one that I think is great. Uh, then we, of course, had Sophie on Monday. And then yesterday, we had Jordan Emmanuel from Winterhouse. I thought she was great. And uh, listen, I'm kind of 
uh, I was a little throaty yesterday, if you heard. So sorry about the excess. Like I kept like sniffing, like because I was a little. Uh, I just wasn't feeling great. I'm still not feeling excellent, but I feel better than I did last night. So that is good. That is a good thing. Uh, it took me uh, like four or five hours to drive over here today, and I listened to the Britney Spears audiobook, and I finished it. And man, oh gosh, it just I I just uh, it is it blows you away because you forget about certain aspects of her case and the conservatorship. And I am just so curious what's next for Brittany. And I hope it's not in the public eye. I hope she is really truly taking a much needed rest. Uh, it is just so interesting, especially when you're in the public eye, how these things and that, that so much attention, it can break you in certain ways on top of that, not having a family that is in it for the right reasons, which by the way, is a common theme that is actually explored a little bit in Real Housewives of Salt Lake City this season between Monica and her mom. I mean, that dinner scene with Monica and her mom, first off, congratulations to Monica's mom for thinking that guacamole was a dessert. The mom was like, oh, look at this, a lovely dessert. And she's like, mom, that's guacamole, which, you know, Guacamole can be a dessert, but it was at the beginning of the meal. Like, did the mom really think they just brought out a dessert right at the beginning? Has the mom never seen guacamole before? I know the relationship is very troubling, but I was very troubled. was more troubled with her thinking that the guacamole was a dessert. Oh, putrid green sorbet. This is amazing. Right then and there, Monica should have been like... Uh, this isn't going to work out with us. This, this is, this is not good. This is not good at all. Um, are you guys good? Are you good? Are you ready for this recap? Uh, also here's the plan. I think I will be able to fit in the Beverly Hills recap tomorrow for Friday. If I don't, if for some reason I don't, don't worry, you will get it next week and we'll be back. We'll be back to a normal schedule by like middle of, I mean, normal schedule. You're still getting podcasts every day, but I guess normal schedule in terms of talking about these shows and Real Housewives of Miami premiere tonight. I haven't been able to watch that yet. And then I think there's going to be another new Southern charm on Thursday. It's like, I wish for BravoCon, they just stopped airing their shows. So I just, like, just stop, please stop already. I can't do it. I want to actually enjoy my life and I just can't. Um, it was so funny. I just got an email from, uh, like I did this brand partnership during Scandaball for Raising Canes where Ariana was appearing and I had to do like a couple TikToks and Instagram videos. And I, I'm fairly new to things like that. I really love being included and, and being even thought of as doing in influencer type thing. Look at me. I'm Saida Silva, you guys. I didn't say that. I'm hungry. But, uh, it was, it was fun to do, but then I just got an email from them saying, Hey, um, do you want to come to, uh, raising canes tomorrow afternoon because Craig Conover and Madison LaCroix are going to be at the raising canes and you would just do a couple videos, but I'm already booked during the time that they wanted me to do this. And I just thought it was so funny because it would be great to just go to raising canes and try to get a video where I asked Craig to unblock me. Be like, Craig, buddy, sorry for making all those posts about you being a lawyer. I'm sorry. It's a, You know, at the end of the day, I, even on Monday's show, I said how much I really love Craig Conover on Southern Charm. But I, I think between this and the things that I've said about Paige uh, being permanently horizontal in terms of just laying down on Summer House, I don't know. But I just thought that would have been so funny for me to go to Raising Canes and introduce myself. I don't think 
you know, I don't think he would remember. I don't know. Who knows? You know, BravoCon's going to be fun for me just to see who I've pissed off and who I haven't, which is always funny when you think about who you pissed off because it's like, at the end of the, you guys know, you listen. I mean, I kind of just tell my honest opinion, but at the end of the day, besides Tom Sandoval, I'm pretty bendy. Like, you know, if you do good, I end up liking you eventually. I mean, that's how you guys watch the show too, right? Am I, am I the only, I don't know. I'm going to stay up tonight worrying about Craig Conover. That's great. And oh yeah, Austin. I think it's cause I also, I started that, um, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot I did this. Remember you guys last year? It was like a year ago when I started. <laughs> I started the change.org. Oh, this is so bad. Oh, what is wrong with me? I started a change.org to never have Austin Kroll on Summer House again because I was pissed because Austin Kroll went on Summer House and then he was like, you know, doing the, trying to do the hippity dippity with Sierra and he had already done the hippity dippity with Lindsay. And then he was like drunk in the kitchen and he thought it was all studly and badass, badass. And I just started a petition to never, have <laughs> never, never have Austin Kroll on somewhere else again. And I know he knew, I know he knew about <laughs> it. I don't know. It's all, it's all in good fun, folks. It's all in good fun. Oh my God. That's what my life is. Just looking back on all of the things that I've done that I'm in, that I thought was hysterical at the time. But, and now, no, you know what? I'm not embarrassed by that one. The one I loved the most was when I left a Yelp review for Buca de Beppo, uh, for Dorit's room. And I left like a page long and I didn't like bad mouth the food at all because, you know, I like Buca de Beppo, but I did a whole page review of Buca de Beppo, but I just ended up like kind of slamming on Lisa Rinna the entire time. Cause I was like, you know what? I love this location. And the Capri room really took me to a fantastic land where I can't afford to go to in Italy. And then I just started bringing up moments. I was like, but this Lisa Rinna, huh? What is she doing? Shouldn't she keep her nose out of other people's business? And I left this huge review. I wonder if it's still there. You guys go to Buca de Beppo, the one in Encino, and see if my review is still up. But I, I at the time, I was, God, that's like two and a half years ago I did that. Man, being stupid takes a lot of work. And it 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 now is being stupid over like multiple years. So good on me. Good on me. But I'm here. Let me know if you're here. Um, you can try to reach me on Instagram. That's sometimes hard. You can try to, you know, Patreon. You can leave a comment. I think we're planning on doing a meetup at 5.30 on Friday. I'm trying to find the location. Um, but uh, um, one sec. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, Salt Lake, huh? Crazy. Beverly Hills was on tonight and I watched a little bit of it. I can't wait to watch the entire thing because I saw that there were more fights about tattoos and I was like, man, if this season turns into just a full season of fighting about tattoos, I'm kind of here for that. Like, no, love bean, love bean. No, you must not tattoo your face, love bean. No, no, please, love bean. Love bean, no. Um, <laughs> so if you do like this podcast, please consider rating it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, uh, thank you to Betches for everything that they've been doing for me. Uh, awesome, awesome. I'm... Uh, I'm full of joy and fully anxious as always. Uh, if you listen to the show, you totally get all of that. Uh, I'm curious though, BravoCon, like 
what's going to happen? I mean, I'm really excited slash scared about everything that could possibly happen this weekend. And also, I'm curious how much that reality reckoning is going to play a part in anything. Like, do you think that it's going to be talked about at all? Do you think in like the question and answer session with Andy, do you think we're going to be able to talk about it? Page six got a shot of Ramona looking like PO'd, like, because she's been taking off the Bravo Con lineup. And uh, it's wild. Now you got the Ebony and Bethany, and now Bethany at her podcast is like, these women. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's funny. Bethany, I think, is losing it that potentially the article came out and it didn't do as much as she potentially wanted it to. And it sounded from the clip I listened to online, it sounded like she was scrambling a little bit. And and I, I think that just makes Bethany all the more determined to frankle all over the place. She is going to frankle until she can't frankle no more. But I truly hope she's okay. It seems like she is in a different stratosphere right now. And uh, I don't know. It's wild. But uh, let me know, though. Let me know what you guys are doing at BravoCon, what panels you're seeing. Um, remember, come up to me. And and uh, sorry that I'll be sweating profusely, but I, I can't wait to meet anybody that's here and, and talk about everything related to Bravo and anything else and have a drink with you, but not too much. We've got to... We've got to not go crazy. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you guys, it uh, it is a wild like it is almost like Fantasia. It is it is so bizarre. And they took a week off last week. And I wish they hadn't have done that because they had ended on such a strong episode in terms of the Greek East, which, by the way, Angie K turns out she's Greek. OK, so we found that out. Uh, first time she's ever mentioned it in the Greek Easter episode. <laughs> she, she lets us know she's Greek, Greek Easter. But then there's this whole Monica and her mom situation that's been like kind of bubbling up. And this mom seems like she is ready for the spotlight. She's like, yeah, I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille. Um, but it is wild because this fight has even spread to like online. And I will say, even after last night's episode, I saw she was tweeting. She was like, I was told not to keep tweeting, but I've got to tell my truth. Girl, you don't have to tell your truth. You are making yourself look worse each episode after each episode. And you are strengthening Monica's position on why she feels the way she does. I often wonder, and I know money is a great motivator, but remember these first season housewives don't make a lot of money. But it, it reminded me a lot about Britney Spears in a way, like how her family reacted to her fame. Is that one, once a camera gets on you and once you know that people are watching you or listening to what you say, that's really intoxicating, especially for somebody. And it seems like her mom is one of those people that wanted her life to be differently. We even hear a story tonight about her leaving her kids with another family and going to New York, trying to make it there. Which, by the way, what was she trying to make it in? Was she like trying to make it on Broadway? She's like, Monica's mom on Cats. Monica's mom in the Book of Mormon. Like, what was she trying to make it in New York as? But if a mom does that, and I don't begrudge that, uh, you know, but if she does that, then already the motivations of her life are, are different than the majority of parents out there, I would imagine. Um, and you then see that she would be potentially very attracted to a camera and attention. And I'm not saying Monica isn't, I'm not absolving her of any responsibility in this, but the fact that she agreed to do this show, it's like, I wonder why people sometimes go on these shows. I like, I know, I know it's money and all that stuff, but really, and if you're not willing to share, 
your mess, you're not going to have a great, I mean, you're not going to be respected on these shows. We've seen so many housewives that like try to hide things or not say something or not say this or that. And it never really completely works. But if you're, if you're really sharing your mess, I think the audience, us fans, we are then loyal to you in a way because you've actually went there. Um, but when, you know, somebody like Monica's mom, I, I just don't think, I don't think you can win. I don't think it's good for you to do. I think it, it's harmful to your relationship with your daughter that already seems to be on, you know, the fritz. But also it, it, the camera by some weird alchemy picks up little aspects of your personality that you don't even realize. And so then the audience gets to it and it can be really painful for those people to go through. And these people have been probably fighting and you know how we all make excuses about the things in our life or like the things that we've done bad. We did. Oh, you know what? You know, the reason it's not really because of me, it's because of this, because of that we make excuses. But when you get a bunch of people watching something, it's really hard because you start hearing like, no, you're in the wrong. No, you're in the wrong. And if you're used to making excuses for yourself, you're going to fight back. And that stuff never works. Uh, it never works. But anyway, so you have that relationship, which I think is the foundation uh, of this season in terms of like real, like you sense that as a real situation. But then you have these other insane situations like Mary Cosby, the dinner scene with Whitney, <laughs> Mary Cosby. Like we always say, she does her best work with fish fillet sandwiches or mannequin heads. When you put her with another person, you just can't expect anything. If you expect Mary Cosby to give you a groundbreaking scene with another living human being, you're not going to get it. And especially not with Whitney. Like she hates Whitney with a white, hot, burning passion. The, the fact that they lit that scene, they mic those ladies up and then they sit down and Mary's like, I don't want to do no scene with you. It's like, I want to take my food to go. It's so, it's like, we, we have to accept that. Like if we accept that we're not going to get any sort of moving the story along with Mary, like there's nothing really to chew on except that it's insane. Folks, summer is just around the corner. So it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's saying it's just insane. Like it is just, it's, it's like, um, I used to do improvisation, which is painful in itself. Um, but the big rule about improv is you got a yes. And you got a yes. And a scene. So if I go in a scene with you and I'm like, Hey, isn't it crazy being here on Mars? And you say, I'm not on Mars. We're at a Starbucks. You're not yes. Anding. you go, Oh my God, Mars, I miss my family so much, but they can't come up here to space. You, yes, and your partners, you know, it's like you, you don't negate your partner's thing. You don't be, you know, like when he's like, I want to talk to you about what's going on and apologize. I don't want to be here. <laughs> she just goes, I don't want to be here. <laughs> so it's almost like they've made... They've like suspended what they usually do for reality housewives where they want to move the scene along. They've almost like put that on pause for Mary Cosby individually and said, you know what? Let's just let Mary do whatever she wants to do. And if you watch it knowing that it's very enjoyable, it is very enjoyable because Whitney's like, what am I doing here? And she's like, little girl, bobblehead, you look gross. Give me my food. <laughs> it's, it's, it's comical. And then you have Meredith. You have this scene where they're out there in the snow after like doing long distance snow skiing or something. And Meredith is like, well, I almost said I lost my life on that cliff. I saw my life flash before my eyes. Um, it, it, it was another four person bizarre scene that makes it even more bizarre because you have the burning, like it's like it's all snow. So it's like a whiteout. <laughs> Your eyes are like adjusting from so much snow. And then you have these four ladies out in the snow having like a pseudo serious conversation. Then of course you have Angie Kay and her scene with her dad. I mean, there's a lot to, I just wish they didn't take a week off because I wanted to stay in that kind of like building bubble. And I know I, this was a good episode, but I, 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 I don't know. I want like I I don't want weeks off from shows. Like I want to stay in this world. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention the piece de resistance is Lisa Barlow and her son's mission. Her son's mission where he's going to be located gets announced and Lisa's throwing him a party and she's like, "Jack, what do you want for your Mormon going away thing?" And not even going away for your Mormon announcement. And he's like, "Uh, liquid death." Liquid death, mom, and charcuterie. And she's like, that's all you want, Jack? That's a crazy. And like, you see this very real scene about Lisa having to give up control of her son. Her son didn't even tell her he was going on a mission. At the end, she's like, how many people in this room knew that Jack was going on a mission before us, his parents? And everybody in the room raised their hand. Like, I wasn't even there, and I felt the need to raise my hand. <laughs> it was like, I probably knew. I mean, that is wild. And then you see that Lisa is so type A and manages things such her way that this, isn't it wild? And this is just a guess, that it's almost the son's rebellion. I mean, it's the it's the nicest rebellion. It's very good hearted, but it's a rebellion that he kept this to himself, that he didn't let his mom be involved. He actually told his dad two weeks before he told Lisa. And there's a talking head where he's, you know, the producer's like, um, were, were you upset that, uh, Lisa was going to find out you knew before, uh, she did. And she was like, yeah, I, I, I mean, if she found out she would have probably killed me. Like he genuinely seems like he's in a hostage situation in those talking heads. But I love like, I love Lisa Barlow though, because 
I always say she's unapologetically herself. Like I may not understand it. I may not behave that way or will ever behave that way, but she's so herself that it almost, there's something about it that I really like, even though I, you can see just from her son that it's got to be pretty intense to deal with, but you see that, but you also, there's empathy there because you see how torn up she's in, is inside about letting her son go. Now she says some batshit stuff. She says some batshit stuff, which we'll get to about where her son's going. And I don't even think she realizes how batshit it was, but that's Lisa Barlow. I mean, it's just you guys. Woo. What? what, Where are we, man? I watch Salt Lake and I truly think I'm stroking out. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's the housewife show that you dream about in the sense of like when you dream, your dreams are all fucked up and you're like, I don't know what means what. That's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I always feel like, did I dream that or did I watch it? Like there's certain scenes that are so real. And then there's other scenes where you're like, this, there's no way this is, this is happening. It's so bad. It's good, you guys. So we open up with uh, the, the hills of Salt Lake, the mountains, the snow capped mountains. And we hear the choral music. Oh, oh, oh. And we hear the voice previously on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we see scenes from previous episodes. And we have the scene where Lisa's like, Monica is talking about you and you like and hooking up with Sean. Like it was not a big deal. So we had that of introducing Monica's, uh, you know, talking about Angie Kay and her husband, that whole relationship, which really blew up. Uh, Remember Whitney, you know, like Whitney and Monica said, like, I've heard around the mean streets of Salt Lake City that he is out there with other men like that was being spread around. And Angie was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm finally getting a storyline. And Lisa's like, as your friend, I've got to tell you this. Um, And then we have that flashback scene uh, with Whitney and her husband, you know, because they are having a little marital bump. And she's like, I'm kind of creeping back into this sad. And he's like, I don't want you to be lonely to see your wedding ring in the drawer every day. That hurts me, which is sad. And, you know, the husband's like, oh, can we have sex? And then, of course, we see the clip of uh, Lisa talking about Jack's mission. And Lisa's like, why do you care about Jack's mission? Because if you're sending your kid out in the wilderness for two years, you should. Oh, no, this was Heather Gay. I'm sorry. Heather Gay was like, because Lisa's like, why do you care about Jack's mission? And Heather's like, because if you're sending your son out in the wilderness for two years, you should know the good and bad of it. Do you know I wrote a book called Bad Mormon? I did. Heather Gay. Now, this is one of those things, like I told you last recap, that Heather should not get involved in. Everybody's got to learn. Everybody's got to live through their own mistakes. And I didn't know if Heather truly was really wanting to have this deep conversation or truly wanting to promote her book. Um, And also, I just think Heather at this point knows that Lisa does not like Heather in any kind of real substantial way. We've known this since the first season, haven't we? So the fact that Heather is shocked that Lisa has not come to her, why would you be shocked? It would be so, like, I even understand that. Like, Heather does have so much information about missions, but so does Jack's dad. So does Lisa's husband. He went on a mission like he did. So, of course, they don't want to talk to Heather, who had a negative experience with it only 20 years after the fact. Like, you know, that is when she's come to fruition with the ideas that she now feels about the Mormon church. Um, But yeah, 
But anyways, and then we have that scene of the last episode of like, don't pull that shit, mom. And, you know, and she's like, is that funny to you? No, I'm heartless. You can get your own ride home. You're an ass. And we have that last scene of Nicole, uh, or sorry, Monica taking her child of like, we need to go. And the mom stayed there. The mom probably stayed there and partied at Easter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just getting word that I, it was actually Greek Easter. Angie K is Greek. So this, I mean, the mom, but I will say, what do you guys think? Do you guys, are you guys entertained with the mom? I mean, it's some really heavy conversations, but I was thinking like, is there a world in which Monica's mom becomes a friend of next season and doesn't even do scenes with Monica because she seems like she truly wants to get along with the other ladies. I mean, it's dark. Okay. So that's where we ended, but now where we pick up today on this episode, which by the way, this episode is eight and it's called mom's mission and matrimony mom's missions and matrimony. That's a great mom's missions and matrimony. I love it. And this is the description that the cable or Peacock puts up on their website. It says Monica has a dinner with her mother. Angie asks for advice. That's a pretty weak description. If I've never seen this show and I'm looking at descriptions and I read that I'm, I'm skipping it right back. Like Monica has dinner with her mother. Make it like, Dude, I mean, even put like Monica has dinner with her mom and her mom thinks guacamole is a dessert. You've got me like I'm I'm in. If you put that in the show description, I want to know what that's all about. So we open up. Oh, 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 we see a guy skiing down the hill with a golden retriever. That's how they do it in Utah. We see the shot of a duck and then all of a sudden we pop up on Whitney's house. Whitney is in like this all leather kind of jumpsuit. She's like pouring herself a glass of water. She opens up her freezer, by the way, and her freezer is stocked. Did you get a look at this thing? Her freezer is just fully st- a lot of stuff in this freezer. Good for you guys. Stockpile. She's pouring herself a San Pellegrino and I love... I love the little title card for Whitney because she does that little dance where she's like, I'm dancing in my title card. I'm doing this little dance and I'm having fun dancing. Like I would never be able to do a title card dance. I, you know, cause I would try to do like the running man or the Roger rabbit. If you remember that. And then I would just hurt my knee and it just be, it would just be a mess. Remember in the old housewives title cards, like they still sometimes do it where they show the full families in the title cards. Anyways, Justin comes in. He's like, hey, babe, hey. He's like, hey, what's what's going on? And uh, when he's like, I just got off the phone with Mary Cosby. I would just, and I said, I would just really love the opportunity to chat. We see this flashback. She's on FaceTime, fully made up and telling Mary, like, I would like to have the opportunity to chat. And Mary Cosby kind of has this smile on and she's wearing one of her Joker hats, like Jack Nicholson Joker, like a big fedora with like a pink bow around it. And uh, Mary Cosby goes, if I don't feel it, I'm not showing up. <laughs> and Justin in this scene goes, why are you talking to Mary Cosby? Finally, somebody has some sense. And Mary goes, like, we never got to clear the air. And he's like, okay, I thought I was going to get the chance to talk to her at Greek Easter, but she wasn't there. So I reached out to her and she agreed to go to dinner. And he goes, I just don't want you to have an expectation, babe. I fully realize that it's uh, she in a talking head when he goes, I fully realize that it's completely random that I want to meet up with Mary because honestly, she's not that nice to me. However, it keeps coming up into my meditation in my therapy with my energy healer. So clearly for me, I need to find some sort of resolve with Mary to move on. 
Okay, you just said one of my favorite terms ever in a the energy healer. I'm like flashbacks to Eagle Woman and Beverly Hills. I met with my energy healer, Eagle Woman, and she and Blue Raven says that I need to talk to Mary. Like when I meditate, I'm usually like thinking like weird thoughts. Like I always like, oh, Roseanne Barr pops into my head. And then it's like, oh, chocolate. And then it's like, oh, Corollas. Like I'm always like, oh, why can't you just clear your mind? That's what you're I I never have fucking thoughts of like, I need to talk to Mary Cosby or even Bill Cosby. Also, at the end of the day, here's the deal. I don't think meditation, meditation. I think it's like, we're doing a show called Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and nobody really likes doing scenes with Mary except for Meredith. So I'm taking one for the team and doing a scene with her. <laughs> and then Whitney in this scene goes, like, speaking of awkward relationships, that's a great segue, Whitney. Um, Heather invited me to go cross-country skiing, um, and Meredith is going to be there. And then Justin's like, how are things with you and Meredith? Justin being a great person to bounce off of. He's just feeding her low. Hey, how are things with you and Meredith? Good scene partner right here. I wouldn't say they're bad, Justin, but they're not good. Okay, yeah. And I want to invite her to Bobby's birthday. And he's like, yeah. I hate not including people, even if they're being a little, you know. And he's like, what What day are we doing the party? We're doing it on her birthday. And he's like, you know, that's the conference that I have with work, right? And she's like, on her birthday? Yeah, you're not going to be here? No, that's why I thought we were doing it the weekend before, babe. Um, And then she just looks. And I'm like, uh-oh, this means no sex for Justin. Um, but she, she's like, I thought we talked about that. And she's like, no, we didn't. And she's like, well, that's a bummer. And he's like, I have to do this event. That's like our kickoff event for the company, which by the way, what is his company? What is like the kickoff for his company? What, I mean, like, well, I'm, I'm curious what the company is now. Like what, I mean, but listen, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta work, but already they're kind of having tension in their marriage. So probably I wonder if, you know, if she already knows this and they just have to do it on camera or if he's truly revealing this on camera and he's like, I got to do this on camera. And that way she won't be nearly as mad as me, mad at me. If we did it like, you know, like since the camera guy's there, maybe he, she won't like blow up at him. Like, cause if they did it without the camera, she'd be like, Justin, what the, like she even drops the baby voice. Like Justin, what the fuck, dude, you got to be here for Bobby's birthday. You pussy. You kidding me? Come on, Justin. What the fuck? Anyways, he's got to be at this thing. She's like, I get that, Justin. I just, he's like, I won't be gone the entire day. I can definitely reach out and talk to her on her birthday. I'm just not going to be there in person, babe. The problem is I can move it to the weekend before, but I have a prism event too. So that means I'm going to be throwing two large events back to back. So I'm going to need help. Uh, listen, I think you call Mary Cosby in. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Mary Cosby needs to help with your event. I mean, it's obvious. Or listen, throw it to Angie Kay. She loves having storylines and she's Greek. And Greeks, I don't know. I think they plan things well. I think she said that last episode. Who knows? But anyways, this Justin is in the doghouse again. He's like, I'll absolutely pitch in and help where I can, babe. And then she's like, and then one other thing. Have you made a therapy appointment yet? And he's like, uh... And then he gets on his phone. He's like, oh, okay. Um, I'm talking, I'm talking to him now. Let me know. Okay. Send me what times he has available. Like he's just probably pulling up Google. Like, what is he like? He's like typing in therapist. I mean, there's, you know, what? It's like, okay, I love you. I love you, babe. Let's do this. Therapy. Therapy. I feel bad for this, Justin. 
I wonder if Justin's going to be at Bravo. I met him at BravoCon last year. Really nice. Really nice. Okay. So now we're back in the snow-capped mountains. Oh, oh, oh. And we're now over at, um, we're in a scene with Heather Gay. We're at Wasatch Excursions. So we've got some kind of excursion scene here. Heather's in a bright lime green, like ski jumpsuit. These people in their jumpsuits, I would be so pissed if I had to buy fashionable ski jumpsuits for my show. Like I would just go to Target and buy like, what jumpsuit do you have? I mean, the amount of money these ladies have to put into their appearances, it's just got to be, it it would just, it would make, I just would hate it. I would hate it. Does Old Navy have I always get scared too when they go to these excursion places because the ladies greetings like welcome to Wasatch excursions and I always get scared it's gonna like some backdoor pilot like Vanderpump Rules was like at the end of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at the very end you know and they like in like they walk in and all of a sudden you meet Sheena and the cast of characters of Vanderpump Rules like what if Heather Gay's walking into this Wasatch excursions we get introduced to the hosts and all of a sudden we have an hour about the Wasatch excursions team I'm not here for it. I just don't trust Bravo after they did it. They did the same bullshit with Vanderpump Rules into Summer House. And I was like, who's this Kyle guy that's talking about Stassi looking like Steve Jobs in a jacuzzi, which is a funny line. But I was like, I, I'm here to watch Vanderpump Rules. I'm not here to watch some Summer Houseian people. But now now I dig it. But you know what I'm saying? Maybe I would like watch such excursions. <laughs> Who knows? But anyways... Heather's meeting a friend at Wasatch Excursions and Monica comes in. Monica does not have nearly as cool of a ski outfit, but she tried. And, uh, you know, they're they're doing this ski excursion on like, what is it? Like the, not mopeds, like the little scooter. What the fuck? Oh, snowmobiles. Oh, God. I'm, I don't know. I don't know anything like physically active, what they're called. So anyways, they're they're riding snowmobiles. I mean, really, Bravo takes, you know, after Vicky at that one time when they flipped that thing, remember when she flipped the thing and hurt herself? Like, I don't even, I don't even know why they allow these housewives to walk in scenes. Like, I just feel like they're always going to hurt themselves. So I'm always like tense. By the way, I just realized I, I obviously take these shows way too seriously. Me watching this, I'm just destined to have a heart attack during because I'll be like, oh my God, are they going to crash on the snowmobiles or whatever they're called? So they're doing that. They're like, yeah, we did it. Also, I don't like, let's get to the story. I don't care. But anyways, we're at this beautiful Vista. They want to take a selfie. They do take a selfie. They both look great. Heather looks great this season. It it really, it's actually a very pretty photo. And um, Heather's like, ladies, okay, let's mount up. And then they go back down to the excursion place where they can have some hot cocoa by a fire and actually talk about something. And Monica's like, thanks for calling me. That means a lot. And I really, I just really needed this. And, and, uh, Heather's like yesterday it was hard. I, and I saw you leaving with your kids in your arms and, you know, no shoes. Even I couldn't even get it out of my mind. Cause she's referring to like, she took those kids out of there. They didn't even have any shoes on, which I, Angie K runs a really tight ship at her Greek Easter's makes the kids take off shoes. Um, but Heather's like, you know, to, to have your mom there, but not helping you, you know, she's like, Heather was like devastated by this. Um, 
she's like, it completely reminded me of the way I feel about my own mom, you know, which I talk about in my new book, Bad Mormon. No, but anyways, Heather's relating to this, which by the way, if this was Real Housewives of New York, Heather would be jumped on just like Jessel of like, Uncle Nitin, I had a very similar experience with Uncle Nitin. And then Sai would be like, stop it. I'm leaving. I'm hungry. Um, but Heather is empathetic. Uh, Heather says, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She had six kids, three boys, three girls. She was the ultimate homemaker, right? She was like smart, creative, and fun. And she taught me, um, and she started to tear up, like how to be a great mom. We just grew apart once I got divorced. It was really hard for everybody to accept the divorce. It was hard for them to understand how to navigate defending me. It just didn't feel like anybody had my back, you know? And Monica just shakes her head knowingly like, yes, girl. I understand. I know. And she's like, here's the thing. My mom and I's relationship is so volatile, Monica says. I think it dates back my whole childhood, she says. And and when I turned 12, my mom, this just blows me away, you guys. And she starts almost starts tearing up before she said this. She sighs like a big sigh. She scratches her head. Heather's like, what is she about to say? And Monica says she decided that she wanted to chase her dreams. So she dropped me off with a family in Pennsylvania and went and lived in New York. And Heather's like, Zoiks, what? What happened? I mean, that's like when you hear about like dogs that like people don't want to take care of anymore. So they ship them off to like a big old farm somewhere. And they're like, oh, here's your new forever home. Like imagine doing that to a 12 year old, a 12 year old. That's like a year away from puberty. Like, are you kidding me? That would mess you up. My dad left me when I was four, and then my mom left me. Monica's crying saying this, and Heather's just like, oh, my God. So I have, like, major, major abandonment issues. My good friend just got sent off to prison. No, I'm joking. I was talking about Jen Shaw. But anyways, you know, she's like, I have major abandonment issues because of that. And Heather's like, you were 12? Like, I had started junior high there in Pennsylvania with these, like, people they weren't even my family. And she's like, who were they? They were like friends that my mom and I knew. They had moved to Pennsylvania and she called and asked them if like she could leave me there. And so yesterday got so intense because again, in that moment, I felt so abandoned by her. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you at Greek Easter. And, you know, she's like, Heather's like, I, I've been there. I've been there. I think you and I actually have way more in common, Monica says, than I would have ever thought. And I am really so grateful, Heather, that you did this with me today. And you can tell Heather's thinking, listen, you could know the full story about how much we have in you know common if you actually read my book. <laughs> I would love if every part that Heather's in, she finds a way to like, oh, what did this do? Like, she's like, oh my God, my boobs, they feel so weird. And all of a sudden she pulls a hardcover of Bad Mormon out. But anyways, this is actually a nice scene because Monica needed the support after what happened at Greek Easter. Um, Monica says, because I wouldn't have even left my bed today, truly. Um, that's not a joke. And Heather goes, you have a village. You're creating a new village too. Yeah, but who wants Mary Cosby in their village? You have a new crazy village. You have, 
I don't want to live in no village. <laughs> you have a crazy village, which, you know, I'll tell you, the, Meredith, the thing that I love about this new village is um, it's supportive of everybody. The village does have um, beautiful vistas, but sometimes your car will slide out and you'll see your life flash before your eyes. But it's a village. Sure, sure. Anyways, Heather's like, you're going to be okay, Monica. You are going to be okay. And she's like, thanks. So we got the sister of the traveling pants happening here. We go to our first commercial break. We come back from commercial. Oh, 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 oh. We see like buildings, snow, beautiful, the beautiful the beautiful skyscape. And we are at the house. We are at Lisa Barlow's house. That's right. The one, the only. So we're at the Barlow mansion and we see John Barlow with like a box of of goodies uh, walking up the stairs and he gets into like the, the bonus room or something. And uh, he's like, uh, Jack, Jack, um, I'm going down some memory lanes. I'm tripping out here. Come on in, son. And Jack's like, is, it, is this all your mission stuff? He's like, yeah, your mom was surprised I even still had these. These are so funny. I'm milking a cow right there. I had never milked a cow in my life. And then of all places, that was like in Vegas, which I thought Vegas. And then I was like, on the drive in, I didn't see any cows. And if I see John Barlow this weekend, I'm going to be like, Johnny, Johnny boy, where are these cows? I want to milk. You want to go milk a cow with me? Like, that would be a great little video. I go mil milk a cow with John. At least it's like, John, don't go milk a cow with Ryan, please. Um, but I think this is, uh, this is really a nice scene between a father and a son. And obviously, you know, I forget that, you know, John Barlow went on a Mormon mission. But John says, you know, with Jack making his decision, I wasn't as impacted as Lisa was, he says in a talking head. He actually told me two weeks before he told Lisa. And when he told me, he's like, don't tell mom. And like, you can tell even saying this in a talking head, he's nervous. You know, he's like looking around for a sniper or something. And this is, this is, he's like, I'm like, you're kidding me, right, son? And the producer goes, were you afraid of Lisa's reaction and John takes a beat and he's like, she, uh, she'd beat the shit out of me probably. Yeah. She, uh, that wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good. Anyways, he's telling his son, the mission president had us write down like a neat experience. So this is titled the most spiritual experience. Do you want me to read it to you, son? And he's like, yeah. So this is 1993, a long time ago. How dare you? Testimony of God's prayer just increased a hundred times tonight. Kay and I have been praying specifically to find a family to afford to baptize this month. And if I hadn't, uh, in the talking head, it said, if I hadn't gone on my mission, there's a chance that I may never have met Lisa because Lisa's older sister was a missionary in Las Vegas. Isn't it wild how it all ties in, you guys? And John says, and she brought Lisa to actually hang out. Didn't John date Lisa's sister first? Am I, I, this is why this show is like me on acid in a dream world. I'm like, isn't that, didn't that, I, I'm so confused. But John's like, and she brought Lisa to actually hang out with one of my roommates. And, you know, the rest is history. No, John, the rest isn't history. There's a big gap in there. Tell us how, tell us how Lisa's sister brought Lisa to hang out with another missionary. How, what, the rest is not history. This is like the yada, yada, yada episode on Seinfeld of like, yada, yada, yada. I'm pregnant. Like, what are you talking about, John? In fact, I'm willing to have the whole episode be about this story. Please. I need to know more. 
Anyways, Lisa comes in. It's like, hey, what are you guys up to? Oh, you broke out the vintage albums. Oh my gosh. I was telling Jack that you were, oh my God, I can't believe this stuff. Oh my gosh, John, you look so young. Look how cute you are. You look like Henry. And we see a young stud muffin, a John Barlow with his like Mormon bicycle and the white short sleeve shirt and the tie. He does look very studly here, you guys. He He's all, the one shot, it's him, and like to the right is like a, like a taped up picture of Jesus looking like a pimp, and you can tell Jesus is like John up. I will say, like I've had, uh, I have a lot of friends in the the Mormon religion, or I grew up with a lot of friends in the Mormon religion. So uh, John looking all studly in this uh, this Mormon gear, he's <laughs> you know amazing. And uh, Lisa is just fawning over these photos. She's like, oh, my God, are you freaking out? What we're going to find out where you're going. Do you get an email? And he's like, I don't know, like fudge college, mom, fudge. And then Lisa seems to be more concerned with this party. She's like, this is a huge party we're throwing. And what if your call to where you're going in Mormon land doesn't come? So Lisa's concerned about like, like she's like the Sundance party thrower. And in a talking head, she goes, I'm realizing that Jack doesn't have any value in anything I say or feel. <laughs> By the way, that really is a real parent. I'm realizing my son does not care about anything I think or feel. Um, so she's like, we get a flashback of like, Jack, for your mission reveal, what do you want there? And he goes, just liquid death and charcuterie. How baller is this kid? This kid doesn't want a big baller, my super sweet 16. He just wants some liquid death water. By the way, isn't it still weird? There's like a premium water in a can called liquid death. Isn't that weird? Isn't water supposed to be like, shouldn't it be called liquid life? Oh my God, these kids these days. But charcuterie, I'm there for. But like also, what kid is like fascinated with charcuterie? Like I didn't get into the wonders of charcuterie until I was in my mid-20s. This kid is very advanced, but Lisa's basically, we are a flashback scene. She's like, Jack, what do you want? I'm willing to get Snoop Dogg there. And he's like, liquid death and charcutes. She's like, that's it, Jack? Are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, that's it. But I feel like that's boring, Jack. Are you kidding me? And he's like, boring's good, mom. He's like, okay. But you can tell she is so bothered. And then Lisa and I talking, they goes, we're in Jack's world right now. It's all like Jack's doing what Jack's doing. And that's really brave of her to say because you can tell how much it really bothers her. So now in this scene, looking back at the Mormon photos, um, <laughs> you know, she's like, listen, um, I don't get Jack sometimes. Why are we reliving the 90s? He wants to get frosted tips. I don't even get it. And now then they're talking about Jack not telling them about where that he was even going on a mission for a while. Like the parents were the last to know legitimately. And he says, the dad says, but you know, growing up Mormon, a lot of times it's expected. I had friends whose parents borderline threatened their kids if they didn't go on a mission. I mean, that is wild. Think about it. I mean, that is very different. So that's why I think these parents in particular, Lisa is shocked because they didn't force this at all. I mean, this is a complete surprise. 
So Lisa's like, yeah, we're not going to kick you out of the family. And Lisa's like, words can't describe how I feel about Jack. And the dad's like, he's progressed so far. This isn't a talking head. And it's actually a beautiful moment because the dad starts tearing up. And when a man tears up, that's that's gold, baby. I mean, no, but he's like tearing up. He's like, because imagine a dad not expecting your kid to go on a mission. And I, I like, I don't know. I, I like it, whether you believe in the Mormon religion or not, that's neither here nor there. This is about a family, a father, a son and a mother. And you can just tell he is super proud of his son because he didn't push this on his son. But think back to last season, that basketball game with Lisa Barlow, where he's like fudge college, mom. I didn't realize fudge college meant I'm going to go on a two year mission. I literally thought he just wanted to have a baller lifestyle being like the CEO of Fresh Wolf Skin Care. I mean, they have the skin. I mean, that you could have. <laughs> Listen, if I was like heir to the Fresh Wolf Empire, I would have been like, Mom, peace out. I ain't going to ASU. <laughs> What's ASU going to do for me at this point? So they're obvious. He's really proud and it's touching. It is. Um, he's like proud of Jack doesn't even cover it. In this scene, he goes, just so you know, Jack, if you get out there and you want to come home, the door is open. And there there were days I wanted to come home. I had a roommate in college who literally, <laughs> by the way, so so the dad's like, Jack, if you want to come home, the door is open, which is such an amazing thing to say. Because, I mean, think about that. Think about that's why it's wild. Think about committing yourself to two years. Let's, let's even take God out of it. Think of committing two years to something that you really believe in. But you have to leave all of your possessions. You have to leave your friends and family. You have to leave social media. You have to leave. You can't listen to this silly podcast anymore. Think about how intense that is. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I could ever do that at this age, but I don't think I would have ever done it at a young age. So the dad says, yeah, you can come home at any time. And then Lisa throws in, she goes, I had a roommate in college who literally was like so crazy weird. And I'm going to tell you the story for a reason, Jack. I came home and she was in my room wearing all my clothes and like sitting on my bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I wanted to feel what it would be like to be you for a day. Like what? Wait, what? This is (laughs) guys. This is what I'm saying. Salt Lake is doing it. Like, no, I'm telling you, I needed a whole hour of this conversation. We, you know, and we're just going to leave it here. Uh, no, Lisa Barlow. If I see Lisa Barlow in BravoCon, I'm going to be like, yo, will you tell me more about that girl in college that wanted to wear your skin? Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine being, could you just try to picture Lisa Barlow in this situation? She's in college. She's having the time of her life because she's Lisa Barlow. She's like confident, loving life. She comes in and her roommate's like, what's going on, Lisa? What are you doing? Why are you in all my clothes? I want to feel you. I want to be. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? And she goes, it was really creepy, Jack. Jack just stares. Like, you're going to have companions that you're not going to like on this mission. And you're stuck with them in close quarters. And if it doesn't feel right and you feel like I need to be back home, that's fine, too. And he's like, yeah, um, for sure. And then John's like, why don't you go, you know, go get lunch and everything. <laughs> you can tell, you can tell he felt that his son was getting a little creeped out by Lisa's story. He's like, okay, hey, we're done here. Why don't you go get some food, bud? Yeah, let's, uh, 
let's close this up. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. And then the son gives both of them a hug and says, I'm nervous. I'm excited. And they're like, we're nervous for you. I love you. It was a really sweet scene, but it, it just another example of how there's nobody else like Lisa Barlow out there, folks. Nobody's doing it at the level of Barlow. Like that is true. <laughs> you guys. You saw that, right? Like, am I the only, that's fascinating on so many levels. Okay. So now we cut to a scene where all of these like cars, these SUVs are pulling up. You got Meredith Marks, Meredith Marks. She comes out with a, a little kind of a little beverage, maybe like a Diet Coke in a styrofoam cup. Who knows? You got Monica there. They all have like skis and poles. And then we got Heather Gay popping out of her little SUV. And they're like, we're ready to soak up some sun, ladies. Yeah. And they do that normal thing like, hi, hi, how are you? Do you ever think about how many minutes, hours, days that you've spent watching housewives greet each other? I think about it the more and more I do this show, how many times I've literally listened to housewives greet each other on top of them like, oh my God, you look beautiful. Where'd you get that? That looks beautiful. But like I have spent probably a quarter of my life listening to housewives greet each other. And Heather goes, and a talking head. Last winter, I took my daughter's cross-country skiing on a whim. And we had this amazing time. It was like communing with nature. It was quiet. It was a great workout. And I thought, that seems like good, cheap fun. We should do it with my friends. <laughs> I have a book called Bad Mormon. Whitney gets out. Whitney looks like a superhero. She's in this like red spandex little outfit. I mean, looks, I mean, truly looks like an Avenger or something. It's like, we're really doing this. I'm going to put on my snowshoes and they all have like their snow gear and they're getting like hiking up. Like, and Mary's like, how do we even do this? This is crazy. Whitney in a talking head goes, I was raised in Utah. I grew up skiing, snowboarding, all of these snow things. Yeah. Um, and it was fun, but I have never been invited to go cross-country skiing. And so we see them all making their way. They're all kind of like, you know, like inching. And uh, none of these ladies look particularly good at it. I'm really confused at what cross-country skiing is. Uh, Whitney in the Talking Head continues, I always thought that cross-country skiing was something I'd do when I was older, like the elderly women do in my neighborhood. Elderly women doing my name. I'm an elderly woman. I'm going to be laying my fat ass on a couch and watching my TV. Are you kidding me? So Whitney makes that funny. They are nearing the top. They're all just kind of going up. And Meredith's like, where, where do we stop? What's going on? So they get to the top of this hill and then they start like skiing. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a good time. This is one of those activities that says, hey, we're housewives and we can move our appendages. Um, Whitney's at the top doing weird movements with her legs. I don't know, you guys. I'm like, let's get to the talking scenes. Anyways, okay, so we're done with that. And then Heather's like, hey, why don't we just stick down here and do a little tailgate? We just did a big, you know, 30 seconds of skiing. Heather has like a fold-out table. She's got some blue cheese, some stuffed olives, some pitted Kalamata olives. And Monica's like, oh my God, fancy, fancy. And the ladies are just sitting around on these chairs in the open air and they ask Monica about her car. And Monica's like, that's a rental. Um, when I had to buy a new car, I pay for everything, but it's in my mom's name. So every time she gets mad at me, she takes the car. And Heather's face goes, zoiks. Like, oh, she like, oh my God, like, big open mouth. And she took my car, Monica says, after Angie's Greek Easter dinner and left me without a fucking car 
for me and my four kids. And Heather's mouth is still open, catching flies. And she's like, yeah, so I had to rent another car. You guys, that's fucking insane, right? I don't care. Like, listen, are you? I don't care if it's in your credit. You don't get a full car. You don't have kids anymore, lady. You went to New York on your kids. Monica has four fucking kids. You don't know. You don't do that at all. And Heather's like, that's a nightmare. And Meredith goes, how did she do this? And Monica's like, this is what she said. She's like, I love mom. You're like, how did she even do this? That seems like impossible. Brooks would never put me in this position. This is what she said. I want the car by 4 p.m. or I'm calling the police and saying it was stolen. And all the ladies are now open mouth. Like, don't, don't, don't. We cut to commercial. Obviously we come back and Monica's like, it's sick. And Meredith's like, you're paying for it. And Monica's like, oh yeah, but it's her credit. And they're like, it sounds like when she is angry, there is no reasoning. It's just because she's angry and it's a control tactic. And Monica's like, she's throwing tantrums. You can't have it back. And <laughs> Meredith's like, you should take your control back, girl. You got to take your power back and do it when it's not volatile, when it's calm. The rumors and the lies. That's how Meredith should be like, you need to go right up to her and go, you can leave. Anyways, Meredith's giving advice. You know, Meredith's like, because you go in this emotional roller coaster, it's just crazy. And they're like, we met her mom at the Greek Easter. Um, you know, it, it seems like she was nice. And they're like, well, she's so nice and charming. And they're like, well, it's like Ted Bundy, right? And Meredith goes, it's like Ted Bundy, right? No one ever thought he was a serial killer because he was so charismatic. That's a classic Meredith. By the way, Meredith Marks now might be a serial killer. Ted Bundy, I've studied for most of my life. He was very cool and collected, very well put together, not unlike a Seth Marks. What's up, everybody? It's me, Seth. Yeah, a lot of people say I look a little like, uh, you know, Ted Bundy because I'm up here in Canton, Ohio on business. I'm really far from Utah, but I can tell you I'm just working. I'm not doing anything crazy. I love my wife. I love life. I'm not a weird guy, okay? Okay, because Ted Bundy, I mean, please. <laughs> I'm too joyful. I'm not a Ted Bundy. I'm not charismatic like Ted. Jeez. So Meredith is comparing... Uh, the mom to Ted Bundy and everybody's like laughing. And Heather's like, there's a lot of legends in Utah uh, about Ted Bundy and all that, but I didn't know Linda was one of them. And they're laughing about this and they're just talking about her mom, but they're also talking about Whitney. And Whitney said, well, you know, I haven't talked to my mom in 13 years since I left the church. We just completely went our own ways. And I had to watch her like always be there you know, with my brothers and the other grandkids. And it was hard. That is actually, and Monica's like, that's actually so crazy that we all have daughters and we all have these insane relationships with our mothers. It's like, we've got to do so much better for our kids. Um, and it's because we all left the church. And then Heather's like, don't leave Judaism, Meredith. Because remember, you know, Meredith's Jewish. And Meredith's like, I don't plan to. <laughs> You're very funny. Please don't speak about my religion, Heather, please. And then when he's like, so Bobby turns 13, she's going to be a teenager. We're doing a birthday party for her. Please come and bring your families. Okay. And bring your mom. Huh? And Monica's like, perfect. Just kidding. Ha 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 ha. Meredith, I want you to come. And I have to have this awkward conversation with you, though. Pause. 
Angie and her family are going to be there. And it makes me uncomfortable that, um, like you repeatedly said that you want to ruin, ruin her life, that you have information. And Mary's like, that rumor I've never shared. I would ruin anybody's life, Whitney. Are you kidding? But, you know, it's like you've said it multiple times that there are rumors that you've heard about and you have information that on her that could ruin her life. And Heather and talking heads like, God damn it, ladies, this is going to ruin my tailgate party, bitches. <laughs> Look back in the history of our friendships, Meredith. It was the same thing with Jen, with Lisa, with Mary. And now it's Angie. So I'm just saying as your friend, I'm telling you, this seems to be your pattern in what you do. And she's like, okay, I want you to be aware of it. And then Mary's like, as my friend, I would like you to understand, how could you see my car crashed on the side of the road and not stop or call me for 48 hours to see that I'm okay? And we get a flashback to that video of the car in the snowbank. And Whitney goes, I drove past the car that was in the snowbank. Yes. And I later found out it was you. And that's when I texted you because your post said you were in a fatal, near fatal accident. And then we flash back to the Instagram post where Meredith's like, Brett was fortunately able to maneuver the car into the snowbank as we were headed to crash off a cliff in Utah. My dear friend and I were in a car accident that could have been far more horrible. So Meredith is like, Whitney, you fucked up. And Whitney's like, I didn't connect that was the same thing until you posted that. Because by the way, if you see a crashed car or a car on the side of the road, you're not usually thinking that's your friend. I mean, I hate to bring it to Meredith. I mean, there are more people in Utah than Meredith. Like, I don't think that Whitney would have put that together. And she's like, I would not think that was the same thing. But I did reach out to you. She's like, okay. And then Whitney's like, did her life really flash before her eyes or did she see an opportunity to throw out something that we can't challenge her about her putting out this big dramatic post it's like her thinking that people will feel bad for her and no one's gonna want to bring up the fact that she started these rumors about angie because she almost died in the scene she goes i want you to come to the party but i want you to get a place where i can know that it's going to be a safe place and she's like when i can tell you is this like when Meredith gets declarative, what I can tell you is this. When I got into that accident, I did see my life flashing before my eyes. I thought I was going over a cliff. And she's like tearing up and everybody's pausing. Heather takes a drink. And the thought that my last significant interaction was what it was that day was incomprehensible. Truly, truly shot of monica chewy heather's shaking her head you can tell she's trying not to laugh when he's just i can tell you this i don't threaten people i'm not hurting people i'm not inflicting harm or even wishing ill towards anyone whitney including angie and her gay husband no he didn't say <laughs> but when he goes this she goes yeah thank you <laughs> I need to bring up an uncomfortable conversation. And then she tells all this to Meredith. And Meredith goes, what I will say is, and gives a big speech. And then Whitney goes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know what I love is that none of these ladies on the show trust each other at all. It's like a whodunit. It's like a cat and mouse game of who's lying to you at any time. And any of any of these ladies could fully be lying to an like 
you know, Whitney went away from that conversation going, oh, Meredith definitely didn't, definitely didn't almost lose her life <laughs> because the more passionate Meredith gets, the more that she's deemed guilty by the other ladies. Oh, it's just so good. You guys, it's so good. Okay. So now we move off that and now we're at a scene in another house. We're at Angie Kay's house. She's in her wine freezer going, oh, this is a good Greek wine. Uh, I'm Greek. And she's, uh, you know, just doorbell rings and it's her dad. And she waves at her dad. It's like, oh my God, dad, we're Greek. And she's like, how are you? How are you feeling? Good to see you, dad. What's up? He's like, we're good. We're good. You look fit as a fiddle, dad. Yeah, I brought some lemons. He's like, oh, great. Uh, We're going to need those. Hopefully they do actually have to cook with lemons because he's like, I just brought you lemons. Okay. Anyways, the dad and her are going to cook. So she's like, I love spending time with my dad. I mean, he's the first person that I call when I wake up. He's my best friend. And wait, by the way, do you think that's true? Like, I, I mean, no, like, honestly, do you think that really is the first person she calls when she gets up? Like, I think about that because then I'm like, I don't call my dad the first thing I do when I wake up. Should I? And is this too late in my life to do that? When do you, when does that habit start? Like, I truly do wonder about, like, I, I mean, I text with my dad every day. Do I need to call him in the morning for, anyways, her dad is 86 years old, but he looks amazing. He looks spry as hell. And he's still teaching me how to do things, she says. So they're opening the wine. He's like, I'll teach you how to do this. There we go. And he pops the wine and pours a glass. And so this is a little bit of a cooking scene. He's cutting the old cucumber. I bet they're going to make something Greek, you guys. There's Greek music playing. He uh, He's making his famous chicken lemon rice soup. Oh, that sounds good, actually. No joke. I just had a really shitty sandwich downstairs in Vegas. It was like a takeaway sandwich for like $20. I'm like, are you kidding me? Which I'll tell you what I just, because I went and I went and did something for like an hour and a half and now I'm back to the recap, but I'll talk about that at the end because we are deep in this lemon soup. So he's cutting onions now and he's like, she's like, my parents came from Crete to a, for a better life. They wanted to raise their children in the American way. However, we are still very Greek. Oh, no shit. Really? You're still very Greek? Wouldn't have known it. Um, she says, we ate lamb, we Greek danced, we were loud, all the things that you didn't see in Utah. So Angie K is saying they brought the Greek vibe to Utah because, you know, I haven't been to Utah in a while, but if you go to Utah, I'm sure you're going to be like, ah, I'm feeling a little bit of Greek. That's Angie K and her family. My dad fought, taught us to bring family together to cook food and cooking is one of my favorite things to do with him. And so we're seeing more of this cooking and he's like, where's your husband? And she's like, oh, he's out. He'll be back. And he's probably on those mean streets of Utah. You know what I'm saying? And they're laughing, cooking, and now they're eating the soup. I mean, this is a sweet scene. And she asks her dad if, um, well, she actually tells her dad, she's like me and my husband, we haven't really had a date, the two of us for like a year and a half or two. And we're never alone anymore. And uh, I think that kind of happens, right? She asked her dad and she asked her dad, did you guys ever go on dates? You and mom? I, I never remember you leaving the house unless it was like a family thing. He's like, me and your mom, you mean? No, we had too many kids, so we couldn't go out. You know, uh, we probably didn't even have the money anyway because we were raising seven kids, you know? And uh, I mean, she reminds us that her mom died at a young age and a talking head. And she's like, I don't really have a lot of memories of her and my dad together as a married couple. For me, becoming a wife, I didn't really have the example to know how to navigate through different situations in marriage. Like I had to learn everything just as I went. And uh, I think that was, that's an interesting idea, right? 
you know, when your mom does leave you at a young age, she's not able to, you know, kind of lean on or, you know, and especially when you are in a marriage, learning how to be a wife or a husband, I will tell you, I mean, I had a failed marriage and, you know, nobody told me I have a failed marriage. I mean, it's hard. Like relationships are hard and it is, you know, it's great if you do have parents that you rely on or that you can trust. But I found I got the most wisdom out of my parents as I got older. You know, even in these last years, I've gotten more from them or more, you know, like I've gotten, I've learned so much, even in this last, you know, two months from my dad, I've learned about grace and strength and, and things like that. I, I don't think that ever stops learning, but you don't ever stop learning from your parents, but that's why it sucks when they go because you realize what a resource they are for you in particular, because your blood you shared. So, uh. They're having this kind of like delightful conversation over soup. And, and she's like, you know, we've got to put a lecture first, both of us, me and my husband. And it's like two years have gone by and we haven't even gone out to dinner, dad, done anything, just the two of us. And he's, he's like, mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, what do you think that the secrets are with all your years of wisdom and raising a family? It's like the secret. You have to be firm. That's the secret. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, that's hard to do. And then her husband comes in. He's like, hey, all right. I was just on the mean streets of Utah. We saved you a bowl, but we didn't wait to eat. But it seems like, you know, the dad loves the husband. It seems like a nice relationship. And she's like, I served my dad. I should serve you too, right, hon? And then uh, he walks into the other room. He's like, uh, see you guys in a bit. And then she goes, want some fruit, dad? I don't even know really what this scene means. What's, were we supposed to be like wondering why he didn't stay and have soup? I, that scene kind of confused me, but it was sweet because I like her dad a lot. Um, and you get a little bit more from Angie K than just like the, the big sunglasses, you know? Okay, so we open up. Whitney, it's snowing. We're at a restaurant called Provisions. The snow is everywhere, you guys. It is really coming down. She gets dropped off. She's in this beautiful green jacket. And she's like, I have a table for two for Whitney. I'm eating here tonight. And she's like, okay, right this way. All right, all right. And uh, <laughs> she sits down. And <laughs> she sits down. And then another car pulls in and is escorted out. And it's Mary fucking Cosby, you guys. I can't. A Mary Cosby coming in snow. And she's like, oh, you look pretty, Mary. You And she's like, you look beautiful, babe. How are you doing? I'm, and Mary's like, I'm surviving the snowstorm. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's a blizzard. Thank you for coming out in it. And Mary sits down and Whitney is just, you know, smiley face. And Mary Cosberg gives her one of those big eyed looks like, uh, like, like when she sits across from Whitney, she's like, this, al this already sucks. Uh, I realize I don't like you immediately again. And Whitney's trying to be like really nice. And she's and talking to you like, Mary and I have a little bit of history. You know, it hasn't always been. Um, the easiest of friendships, but I 100% know all the different versions of Mary. Um, yeah. And we get a flashback to, you're not hearing me, Mary. You can go little girl. And then we get a scene of like, I made you cookies. <laughs> Sorry. you guys. Anyways, <laughs> I will say they've had so many scenes over the seasons, but remember the first season, when she brought her dad, the hairdresser, to Mary's church, and it was like this scene where like they were up on the stage with Mary, they were like laying hands on. It was like, by the way, what happened to Whitney's dad? Remember that first season? It was so rough on him. And I think the reaction 
you know, we all made fun of his hairstyle and, and all of that stuff. Like, well, what happened to her dad? Anyways, Whitney's like, she's a tough nut to crack that Mary Cosby. Anyways, they order food. It's like, can I grab you a drink? And Whitney looks to Mary and Mary's like, I'm just going to have Chardonnay. And Whitney's like, I'll do a Cabernet. And then what would you guys like to eat? And Mary's like, I'd like to have the crispy duck rolls. And uh, and then she's like, I will do the wedge salad, salad and the pufferdell. And okay, so the orders are taken. And now it's just silence and they're like staring at each other. And she's like, we missed you at Greek Easter. <laughs> she goes, we missed you at Greek Easter, Mary. And Mary goes, I didn't miss it. <laughs> and there's just a pause. And they get their drinks and it's cheers, cheers. And Whitney is all smiles. So you're... <laughs> It is so bizarre because you can just tell Whitney knows that anything can happen. Like just is just Whitney is just on a roller coaster right now. She has no clue what's going to happen. And uh, they cheers and Mary Cosby goes, so your family, seven years blessed to our life. I need that because I'm headed into those seven years of teenagers. And that's what um, and and Mary goes, I went home and I said, at some point you have to tell. And then they, they set the food down and she kind of like, she kind of like drops it weird. And the lady's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me grab you a new plate. Okay. Cause Mary Cosby's like, oh my God, what did you just do? What? And her eyes just bug out. And Mary's like, you didn't spill the food on me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was so weird. You guys. <laughs> and so Mary Cosby goes, why didn't you spill the food on Whitney in a talking head? Tell you, I mean, if you're just not going to see a show like this anywhere else, folks. Oh my God. I really do. I hope I bump into Whitney this weekend. Cause I do really want to ask her about this because her face during this scene is kind of like, Oh my God. Like literally. Oh my God. She is like trying not to laugh. She's like, I, I mean, it, she, she truly is like, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. In a talking head, Mary Cosby's like, that's a sign that I should not be here tonight. Come on. Somebody tries to spill food on me. And then Mary Cosby goes, Whitney, you better come with it. You, you called this shot. You better shoot your shot. Like what? And Whitney's like shaking her head like, yes, yes. I, I, and she goes, I got caught up in a lot of bullshit talking about you. And I'm so sorry. And Mary Cosby shakes her head. No. And she's like, you've severed our future. You've severed it, severed it. But Mary, you have to own. You have to own it too. What do you mean I have to own? I have to own you talking about me? You sent me mean text messages and it hurt my feelings. And then we get a flashback to these text messages. And these are the text messages. Whitney reading them. You think you're better than me? I can tell you you're not. I'm better than you. It's a Mary Cosby text message. Here's another one. I also know I look younger than you. I don't need all the fake injections in my face to make my face look like whatever. That's another Mary Cosby text message. I mean, can you imagine getting these? And here's another. I've never had plastic surgery. Never. I don't need it like you do. Imagine getting a text message. <laughs> what did you just block Mary Cosby? I, I'm not strong enough. By the way, that's a great like kind of cameo thing where it's like, get Mary Cosby to shit on you in a text message. And then Mary Cosby in this scene goes, grow up, little girl. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Have a good night. Mary, no, 
I'm not doing this with you. You're not wasting. You're a waste enough of my time. Mary, please don't do this. Watch me leave. Mary, did you hear? I brought you here to take accountability and talk. Well, you're not doing it. So you know what? Goodbye. You're upset because I'm asking you to, you're not for the mean, I'm I'm not sitting here. So you can be mean. What I, I need, you can, <laughs> this she goes, it's, Whitney keeps like, but and Mary's like, when you sit there and call my husband and me, you call me predators. I know, Mary, that was awful. You have severed. You, I can't believe Whitney is comparing my text messages to calling me a predator and my husband. And in the talking head, she's like, how is that even in comparison? You can't say anything about people that's not true and think that it's okay. Like somebody's going to backhand you, Whitney. Maybe it's going to be me. Like, seriously, it might be me. Whitney, we're done. Okay. Goodbye. Have a good night. I'm going to take my food though. It's like, you won't even have a conversation with me, Mary? No, I'm not wasting my time with you. That's what you don't get. Wake up, bobblehead. Excuse me. So she throws it. Wake up, bobblehead. Do, do people have the Rochambeau boat to do a scene with Mary Cosby? I'm like, hey, um, we've got one scene. I don't know if you guys want to do it. It's uh, at a dinner. Mary's probably going to shit all over you. And he's like, I guess I'll do it. I've only had the Justin stuff this season. So yeah, I'll be called a bobblehead. <laughs> and she goes, excuse me, can you bring my food? Uh, can you bring a, uh, something to go, please, please? And they're just staring at each other. And Whitney drinks her wine. It's like, and then the lady brings over a box and Mary's like, can you do it for me? You know how they lay down the box and sometimes they expect you to do it? Not Mary Cosby. Mary Cosby's like, can you do it for me? Yeah. She's like, of course, of course. And she's like, I'll be right back. And then Mary Cosby goes, enjoy your oysters. Scoop it up. Mary, this is gross. And I really think this isn't how you want to leave. I promise you. Watch me walk out that door. Okay. Bye. It is what it is. I feel like Mary's always going to find something to be mad about when it comes to me. I didn't come here for this, Whitney. I didn't I didn't come to do this. And she has her big like Louis Vuitton bag. I don't know what you came for then. I know better than to expect us to ever be friends like we were again, Whitney says in a talking head, just not in the cards for us. Well, I mean, Whitney, it's not the cards for Mary Cosby and anybody, but Meredith and, and those mannequins in her closet. And then Whitney's like, I do not need Jesus coming knocking at my door. No, I don't. And then we just see Whitney eating by herself. <laughs> it's so bizarre, you guys. That was a Mary Cosby scene. Like that's just patented Mary Cosby. Okay. So now we're at Lisa, Lisa's house for the, the announcement of where Jack is going to go on his mission. And we see he only wanted liquid death and a charcuterie, but you guys, we're seeing cookies with Jack's name on it. Elder Barlow. We're seeing charcuterie boards that would fucking knock you off your coal mining asses. We see the cake and it says Elder Barlow, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. And it's like this fancy cake, like with like a cake, like that looks like a briefcase. And it says called to serve and has pictures of Jack and Lisa and the family. And she's like, Jack, we're going to find out today where Jack is going to spend two years of his life. All the guests are coming in. John's uh, sister's there and they're hugging. And then uh, the the uh, the priest or the the the, 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 I don't know, the Mormon guy, the head guy, the he's there. All of uh, Jack's friends are there. A lot of young kids are there. And they're just uh, all there in support of this. And Lisa's like, get in your mission call. It's a huge thing in Utah. It's like a gender reveal party. There's like a zoom up 
which by the way, I wish I was on this Zoom. Could you imagine they zoomed in on the Zoom and you see my face of like, hey, <laughs> anyway, she's like, we're going to find out where Jack's going. It's becoming so real. I'm not a control freak, but I might like things my way. If I'm like waiting on my G-Wagon, I know how to make it happen. Where I get the G-Wagon with the right colored seats on time and delivered to my door. But this is like, I have zero control ever of anything with this. I don't know how he lives. And it's like really a lot. I mean, imagine this. Imagine being is in control of things as Lisa Barlow and having no control. So we see like about 50 of his young friends all sitting there waiting for this announcement. And Lisa's like, um, or the son's like, I'm just so grateful that you guys are all here. And then Lisa's like, with a show of hands, everybody, who knew Jack was going on this mission before us? And literally everybody in the whole room raises their hands. And he's like, oh my God, it's such a major deal to give up two years of your life to serve God. And I'm so grateful he made this decision. I love you so much. Okay. And all the guys are laughing. Like, oh, Henry, get up here. Come on, Henry. Come a little man. All right. And so Jack gets the letter and Lisa's like, oh my God, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Oh my gosh. And Jack, you know, like a little adult here, he's like, so before I get into this, you know, I want to thank you guys all for coming out. It means so much. And I'm just so blessed that I have great parents that have been supportive with, of me, no matter what, pre-mish, post-mish, they're even most, God, imagine pre-mish, post-mish. That's what the cool kids are calling their mission these days. Mish, pre-mish, post-mish. I'm mid-mish right now. I'm a year in. Mid-mish. Mid-mish. Anyways, he's like, mid-mish. They're always supportive, man. Uh, They're very loving. He's like, I love Henry, my little brother. He's been super supportive along this whole ride, even though uh, the first thing he ever said to me when I told him, hey, Henry, I'm going on a mission, he said, uh, that sucks. Because <laughs> this little man, this little Henry, this guy now has the Fresh Wolf Empire in his hands. He has that skincare line. But anyways, this Henry seems like a cute kid, but he's like, ever since he's been super excited and pumped for me and I'm, I'm just so blessed. And so, you know, let's get into this. All right. I mean, I love it. It's like, it's like, you know, when these high school players decide where they're going to go play football, dear elder Barlow, you are hereby called to serve as a missionary of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You are assigned to labor in the Bravo con in Las Vegas. No, no, he's like in the Columbia Bogota North mission. In Colombia, and we see Lisa Barlow's face go, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and everybody's like clapping and cheering. It's like, Oh my gosh, and they're all clapping, the family's hugging. Oh my god, so unexpected. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, everybody's hugging, taking pictures. I mean, think about that. Like, the, the, the friends are high fiving them, and Lisa in the talking head goes, I cannot believe he's going to Colombia. He's, oh my God, you guys. She goes, he'll probably be held up at gunpoint at least once or twice on his mission. My friend's son was just there. He was held up at gunpoint like weekly. So he carried like an extra few bucks in his pocket and just like handed it over. He's like, okay, I see the gun. Here's the cash. But I mean, overall, it's thrilling. You guys, how insane was that talking head? I mean, she ended it with overall, it's thrilling, but my son will be held up multiple times on his mission. But also you now picture her get like, Hey, here's a little walking. Like, you know how your parents sometimes when you're younger, give you a little walking around money. She's like, here's a little money for when you walk around and potentially get robbed at gunpoint. Like, Oh my God. And Lisa, what are you saying? 
Anyways, she was like, I was expecting like Europe or something or like New York. Yeah. Um, but I was not expecting Columbia. So, I mean, it, I mean, that's just insane what she said. She's like, my friend. Oh, my God, you guys. Lisa Barlow. We walked the same earth as Lisa Barlow. Okay, so we cut out of that. And now we're in a scene with Monica and her mom. And to me, this is like that movie Heat, that Michael Mann movie with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And like like two thirds through the movie, they sit down and have like a face-to-face scene. For me, this is kind of like that scene. That's the intensity of this scene. So anyways, we know what the mom's done with the car, that whole shit. We've seen the mom this whole season, very intense. Monica gets there first. She sits down. She's like, okay. And then then the mom's there and the mom's already crying. She's like already like, oh my God, I'm on TV right now. Oh my God. And she's like, (laughs) the mom is, the mom is. And Monica's like, oh my God, can we get some service around here? And Monica gets a waiter. She's like, can we have a straw, please? Absolutely. He says, and she's now crying with the hands and the guy brings the straw. It's like, oh, thank you so much. And the mom goes, well, me crying, that just gave me a headache. Oh my God. And Monica's like, oh my God. So the mom goes, I watched a movie about an older lady in Croatia. It's called Avatar. No, she's like, who had issues with her mom. Okay. The mom died and they hadn't resolved their issues. Okay. And Monica's just shaking her head. And I don't want that to happen to us. By the way, does anybody know what movie is this? Is this like, what is this? Is this like Pixar? Is this, what is this? Like Batman? What, what movie? And Monica's like, you want me to feel bad for you? But when I was crying, mom, um, you didn't give a shit. And the mom's like, like, uh, at Angie's dinner, mom, you made me feel completely alone. And the mom's like, at the Greek Easter? No. It's like, at Angie's dinner, you made me feel completely alone. You picked everybody else's side. You're apologizing for me to these people that you just met. That you just met, mom. And we get a flashback to that of the mom apologizing to Angie and her husband. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. My my, my daughter's just, you know, she's just developmentally disabled. And mom, you expect me to sit here right now? And feel bad for you that you're crying in a restaurant right now? She's like, I am not asking you, Monica, to feel bad for me. And she's getting all her neck into it. I'm asking you to have a conversation with me, Monica. Don't talk to me like that, Mom. If I cry, I'm not going to talk to you like some weak-ass bitch either, the mom says. And Monica's like, what? And then the waiter's like, evening, ladies. Welcome to Mallorca. What can we get for you tonight? (laughs) All right. Okay. I see that you're talking. Okay. 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 And the mom's still trying to like not to cry. She's like doing a whole performance. And she's like, I'll have the lobster enchiladas. Like, absolutely. All right. We'll get those right up for you. And then she's like, I will do the guacamole appetizer, Monica says. Okay. We'll get that going. And then Monica's mom's looking at her purse. And she's like, do you have any aspirin in your bag? And Monica's like, no, I don't. I don't, mom. The mom's still just rummaging around, putting her purse like on the other side of the table now. It's very awkward. And the mom's like, when you were in Palm Springs, you said that Angie was acting like a crazy person. Okay? Okay, you said that to me. And as her friend, you were trying to calm her down, right? Right? You were trying to pull her aside. I was just trying to do that for you. I didn't get in Angie's face and humiliate her like that, Monica says. And the mom's like, oh my gosh, you don't know the half of it, mom. You don't know anything. Nothing. But you instantly took her side. You instantly apologized to her for how I was acting. I mean, I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that, Monica says. That must have skipped a couple generations. 
because I don't have that in me, mom, to apologize to someone I've never met before, my child. And the mom's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she's like, well, I know you tried crying. You tried yelling. That's usually all you do. Well, stop that. Stop that, Monica. That was sincere. Don't be disrespectful. Mom, you're not going to scold me like I'm a little fucking child anymore. You're not going to disrespect me, Monica. I'm still your mother. I'm not being disrespectful. Yes, you are, Monica. Don't mock my feelings. The only one losing at this table right now is you. Don't mock my feelings. You just did. And Monica's like, and she's like, Monica's mom's like, I'm just over it. And Monica's like, I know you don't care, mom. I know. And she goes, let me talk, motherfucker. Monica's mom says this. Let me talk, motherfucker. And Monica's like, did you just call me a motherfucker? Did you just call me a motherfucker? And she's like, uh, I called you a motherfucker. Yeah, I called you a motherfucker. And they just shake their heads. We cut to commercial. I mean, can you imagine a mom on Housewives? Call? I mean, that's, let me talk, motherfucker. Can you imagine that? Okay, we're back in the scene. She's like, yeah, I did call you a motherfucker. I called you a motherfucker. Yeah. And Monica's like, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, here's your lobster enchiladas. Here they are right here. And then Monica's mom goes, look at this pretty dessert. And she's scooping up guacamole. And Monica's like, mom, that's guacamole. She's like, oh, guacamole, whatever. It's an appetizer. It's an appetizer. This is where I just completely lost trust in Monica's mom. When, like I said earlier, Monica's mom thought this was a dessert. Like, I don't know why that bothered me so much. I was like, this lady has lost touch with all reality because guacamole, you just know that is not a fucking dessert. I mean, did you hear any of us order like green sorbet, Monica's mom? Anyway, she's scooping up this guacamole, scooping it up. It's silence. And then Monica's mom, are you going to eat? And Monica's like, I don't feel like it right now. And Monica's like, we have had our issues in the past, Monica. We have, but we both have to be willing to be vulnerable. We both with each other. And when you're ready, we can sit down and figure out where did this start? Yeah. Where did this start? And Monica goes, uh, my childhood. All right, let's start there. And she's like, okay, all right, let's start there. You'll excuse me, Monica, though. I have to find, I have to get aspirin because this headache is killing me. I thought I put aspirin in my bag. I thought I did. I thought I did. And Monica just is like, oh my God, what is going on? This is like a scene with Mary Cosby. And she still can't find this aspirin, even though we've spent the entire scene trying to find the aspirin. And Monica goes, listen, I'm not saying you're a bad mother. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm telling you is Easter at Angie's, Greek Easter at Angie's. It was like I was reliving my abandonment as a child, mom. I'm telling you, you want to get to the root of this? You're going to have to hear these hard things from me that you don't like to hear, mom. I didn't abandon you, Monica. Yes, you did. I did not abandon you. Well, that's how I felt. I was 12 years old and it was so easy for you. We cut to the other restaurant. There's some kids looking like, oh shit, there's like a real issue over there. What did he, you know, she's like, you left me with these people, mom. And you go off and you live your life in New York. And Monica's mom like, oh, I have to start my new job. New York was far more expensive than I thought. I was not prepared for New York. I was not prepared for New York. How do we move past, past this? You have trauma. And Monica's like, no, you have trauma. And she's like, what's my trauma? And Monica's like, your mother. <gasps> my mother? What are you talking about? The way that your mother hated you and disliked you, mom, and was never there for you and abandoned you, and your dad abandoned you, I get you went through a lot of abuse. 
And she's like, I'm over it, Monica. I'm over it. Bullshit. You are not over it, mom. I'm over it. You treat me the same way that you hate how your mother treated you. And you can tell Monica's mom, like, I need that aspirin. I need it. And Monica's mom's like, I come from a long line. Oh, sorry. Monica and a talking head goes, I come from a long line of complicated relationships between mothers and daughters. My grandmother never wanted to have a daughter. She kind of just closed off completely. And it kind of made it to where her relationship with my mom has always been completely damaged from the beginning. She's always struggled with my mother, Monica is saying, and everything my mom did. And it was like, she was like a complete disappointment. My mom got pregnant. My mom became, you know, a member of the LDS church and left Catholicism. My mother moved out of Boston. My mother never got married. And, you know, these, all these things that have made their relationship so difficult. And I think that my mom probably didn't want to get pregnant when she got pregnant. And I think it's just this line of resentment happening a little bit here. And then in this scene, the mom goes, Monica Darnell. And she's like, why are you calling me that mom? Because that's the name I gave you, Monica. That's the name I gave you. You haven't called me Monica Darnell in decades, mom. I'm sorry. I just don't know what the fuck your name is. You change every fucking week. How am I supposed to... You know my last name. It's Fowler. You know what? What? You know why you call me that? Because that's how you treat me, mom. You treat me like I'm still that little tiny girl that you can fucking shit on and leave here and leave there and go get your dream job. How would you like, you know, and your dates, mom? I'll sit in the back of the trunk of the car while you make out with one of your fucking boy toys. That happened one time, Monica. That happened one time. Can you believe that? I'm sorry that I kissed that boy. I'm sorry I kissed a boy, Monica. It has nothing to do with you kissing a guy, mom. It has to do with the situation that I was in and you're doing it and it's still right. You don't give a fuck. And that, no, I don't, Monica. It's pretty disgusting, mom. In a talking head, she goes, I wish I could say that was the first time that had happened. Uh, that wasn't that something that wasn't normal, but that's very on par for my mom. I've dealt with emotional and mental abuse my entire life. So I think I'm just completely fucked up, she says in a talking head. And she's crying. So back in this scene, they're just staring at each other. And the talking head, she goes, all I can do is make sure my kids never feel that and break that cycle, I guess. So back in this scene, they're just staring. She's like, I need to break that cycle of emotional, mental abuse. And the mom goes, what was I supposed to do, Monica? What was I supposed to do? I want you to tell me. Are you looking at me for answers, mom? Yes. Yeah. As to why you abandoned me. You know what? Get over it, Monica. Get over it. And Monica just like, what? When do I get forgiven? When do you get forgiven, mom? Yeah. You just told me you don't really feel bad. So not today. And the mom chuckles and she goes, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And then Monica goes, well, you should eat. Okay. The mom is channeling side to Silva from Roni right now. And the mom just stares down at her dessert guacamole and just takes a bite of her lobster enchiladas and puts it in her mouth. And Monica's just stone face staring to the side. Monica's mom is staring at Monica and Monica's mom goes, we're lost. We're lost. And Monica goes, all I care about is this shit is now affecting my children. And that's where I drop the fucking line. The shit you do to me, you're doing to them. Now, when you take our vehicle, I'm done. And the mom goes, Oh, so it's my fault. That's exactly what I'm saying. Mom, it's your fault. I can't fix this. I don't have the tools. And Monica's like, Zoiks, we need therapy, Monica. There's no other way. Oh my God. We need a Bravo therapist. There's no other way, Monica. 
oh my God, you guys. And Monica goes, okay. So that means now we have to scene with, we now have to see a scene with a therapist. Thanks a lot, Monica's mom. We have to do another stupid scene with a therapist now in one of these shows. Anyways, Monica goes, but I do need to get home to the kids. So uh, yeah. And Monica gets up and leaves. And Monica's mom is just, oh my God. Where's my aspirin? Next time on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we see a scene of Bobby, Whitney's daughter, with makeup. She's like, I have eyebrows. Oh, it's really cute, you guys. It's very cute. Uh, then we have a scene of Angie Kay on FaceTime with Heather Gay. And she's like, Lisa did a whole announcement yesterday for the church. Were you not invited? Oh, my God. What? And like getting Heather upset. And then we have a scene of Lisa Barlow and Heather. Uh, or sorry, Lisa Barlow and Whitney. She's like, I talked to... um." I talked to Heather. She's in a very, sorry, I talked to Monica. She's in a very abusive situation with her mom, you know? And Lisa's like, you can be abused and also be abusive. So Lisa not standing up for Monica. Then we go to like a sound bath, like with like the bowls. And uh, Lisa is like talking to Monica and Lisa's like, I want to enjoy the sound bath with the ringing bowls. And Monica goes, old people need it. Control yourself, Monica. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, old people need it. And they're fighting in a sound bath, you guys. And she's like, please stop talking to me, Monica. Please, I'm at a sound bath. It seems like another gripping episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh my God, you guys, what an episode. I have to tell you, I'm sorry I'm a little slower on the uptake on this because I couldn't type out notes. Um, and uh, my normal person that does the notes, she, had, she couldn't do it this week. So I've been... <laughs> I've been watching, I've been watching Peacock on my computer and just like reading along to the closed captioning. Like I've watched this episode three times, but I was like, I don't have time to take the notes. So I was just going line by line through closed captioning. And I have, I had to keep pausing because I'm insane, but I hope it was still good. I hope we still had some laughs. I think we did. Listen, I'm at BravoCon. I shouldn't even be doing this shit anyway. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so like right at that, uh, when John Barlow was showing his old Mormon uh, mission photos, I went down to the lobby and had some drinks with uh, Mary Payne Gilbert from Pink Shade and Ingrid, who works on that show, and they're both awesome. And I had a martini and had a nice conversation with them about podcasting and the like, and that was really nice. And I look forward to this week to just meeting a bunch of people and talking to other podcasters and stuff. And I was like, you know, I should go down and have a drink. And that's what this is all about, right? That's what this is all about is is meeting people in real life and having real life, you know, not, not in, not behind a mic, if that makes sense. So anyways, hopefully I'll get that real housewives of Beverly Hills recap out to you on Friday. If not, I'll do it first thing, first thing for you next week, but I have a feeling I'll probably get it out to you, but thank you so much for showing up. Let me know what you want to hear. I'll be doing, uh, you know, Patreon recaps of BattyCon 2023, but I hope you guys have the best Thursday ever, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you for supporting the show. Bye, guys. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.